0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Atlas Podcast, episode 92. My name is
1: Matt Rodriguez, the owner and chief editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with last One to Lead to theatercom and ATLCW.TV. And we seem to be missing somebody again. Are we? Again, yes, yes. <laughs> when was the last
0: time it was just you and me doing this? Um, it's
1: been, it's been wait, a while. It's been a while, yeah. 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 So um, Emma is... Off in Europe, and she's going to be there for the next two weeks. So we're going to be without Emma for a little while. Yep. Uh, but we'll carry on.
0: Yep. She is currently
1: at Walker
0: Stalker Con London. So she's hopefully getting some talking with the cast of The Walking Dead and, you know, getting some good stuff for us. I know we've had a lot of great interviews from her from previous events. So hopefully we'll have some.
1: She'll fill us in when she gets back. Yep. So we're gonna muddle on here, and of course um, we all got together on Sunday night to watch the Oscar telecast. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a we had a, a contest on who could pick the most uh, get the most right, and also who could get the most wrong. <laughs> and. Uh, Emma's boyfriend, Doug, won the prize, which was a DVD uh, Blu-ray of uh, Mano's The Hands of Fate. Yeah. Which is one of the worst films of all time. (laughs) And And, you can watch it in in
0: high quality now. You don't (laughs) have to watch the grainy VHS or whatever. You can (laughs) see it as it was meant to be seen.
1: Yeah, I forgot to look on the box to see if they've done a restoration or if this is just... The same old crappy prints that I've seen before. I was about to ask: it,
0: Is there a Criterion Collection version of this? <laughs> something. Something tells me there's not.
1: <laughs> I don't believe so. But that would be that'd be so great. There's, if you guys don't know, uh, Criterion is a company that um, picks uh, four or five films every month and does just an amazing job and gives uh, gets a lot of uh, extras in in them, and they're just beautiful. Usually, the prints are. Uh, they restored the prints and the prints are just beautiful and it's it's they're really cool and i highly recommend the Criterion collection.
0: There should be like the opposite of the Criterion collection to do like just just bad films. So like you got Monos, you got um The Room, things like that where they just I don't know, do do restorations of these terrible movies.
1: Yep. Well, i i do t- um back when i lived in San Antonio there was a, um, a, a you know, at a, a Trinity University, there was um, a fraternity that did a 24-hour bad film festival. And you didn't have to, to pay to go in, but you had to pay to get out. And based on how long <laughs> you've been there, uh, it, it, would, it would cost you more and more money. So if you only stayed there for two hours, you were paying a lot. Um, but I, I think I remembered lasting about six and a half hours, and then I finally had to leave. Because I and and the bad thing was I'd already seen one of the one of the really bad films okay. before, so
0: so I guess the longer you stayed, the less you paid.
1: Yes, the longer you stayed, yeah, they would ti- they would uh, time stamp your hand, <laughs> wow. and so when you walked out, then they would figure out how long you'd been in there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, I got 19 out of 24, which is fairly average for me. Um, the best I've ever done is I did I got 20. Three out of twenty-four one year. Um, I was extremely lucky that year, but I usually get around twenty-two. Yeah. Uh, there's usually one. There's usually one upset, and then usually the, the shorts, uh, all, the animated or live action or the documentary shorts usually trip me up. Um, and I missed actually missed all three of the short categories this year, even though I'd seen both the animated and the live action shorts.
0: Yeah, I, um, I did a lot worse than I usually do. <laughs> I was around like 11, 12. I was definitely near the bottom. Doug only had 9, right? That's how much Doug Yeah, Doug had 9. One. Yep. With me doing the the air quotes, he won with 9. <laughs> so, but I mean, yep. I had I had a lot of the bigger stuff. So like best yeah, picture, best director. Um, um, what right. what really disappointed me was the the editing stuff, like um Dunkirk swept those, you know, film editing, sound editing, sound mixing, film, or uh, Dunkirk swept all three of those, and I put Baby Driver for all three of those,
1: so, yeah, Emma was very upset over that, that also, yeah,
0: (laughs) but, um, yeah, no, I thought, this year's, it was, this year's Oscars was pretty tame, you know, Especially, you know, when you compare to last year's Oscars, when you had the whole Best Picture fiasco between La La Land and Moonlight, you know, nothing is really going to top that. So, like, I think they really played it safe this year. Um, well, it's
1: Ben. I don't, you know, playing it safe, but you're you're making The Shape of Water, which is a tribute to the. Romance um, movies of the fifties. Oh no, I'm not talking um, about the
0: films playing it safe. I'm talking about the ceremony okay. itself. Oh, the ceremony. Like, yeah, there there really wasn't anything memorable about the ceremony, um, to me at least. Like the most well, memorable I, I, thing for me actually is um, it wasn't even a part of the ceremony. It was a video, a music video that the the Lonely Island that apparently like they were in the running to do a song for the Oscars. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it's been circulating online lately. Where yeah, I,
1: I saw a story about it, but I didn't watch the video. Yeah,
0: it, we're basically they're saying like, they basically get a bunch of actors and stuff who um, who weren't nominated to sing a song saying "Why not me?" And it's mostly like action and Marvel. So like they got, you know, um, they got all the all the Chris's. So like Chris Hemsworth, Chris um, Chris Pine. Um, Chris Evans singing together about like oh how they're not nominated and how like oh Marvel movies don't get nominated or how like Wonder Woman didn't get nominated and stuff and it was just a really funny video that they put together.
1: Well, I would. There was some, there were some memorable moments. Um, I think a couple of the acceptance speeches. Allison Janney was very funny in her acceptance speech, and then uh, uh, Frances McDormand in her speech. Yeah. Um, was was very powerful with the, with her having all the women that have been nominated this year stand up and and share with with them. Um, so I I I thought those and then I thought a couple of the musical numbers were really good, especially the one for um, um, the the oh, the Showman. Um, I, I thought that was a really really good number. That, so there were there were some I thought there was some memorable and I, I, I love the fact that uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Did the whole thing of shortest acceptance speech, and they actually did have a wave runner that they gave away. That was cool. Um, I can't. Yeah, I thought that was really that was a fun idea. Yeah. Um, and a and, a, and a, you know a couple people actually mentioned that they were trying to win the wave runner. Yeah. In or, their acceptance. Or that speech. they
0: weren't going to win the wave, wave runner. Yeah, or they weren't going. To. They were yes. going so long. I think Gary Oldman said something. Mentioned it, saying, "Oh, that's not my wave runner anymore." But um. But yeah, I mean, it was a good Oscars. Um, I was really happy to see Shape of Water win, you know, um, especially Guillermo del Toro get best uh, director. That was amazing. I mean, he's now, four out of the past five years have gone to Mexican directors, which is pretty crazy, I'd say. You yeah, know, that's amazing. Um, Alejandro G. Inarritu. he's he's won twice, actually. He won back-to-back for, um, for Birdman and The Revenant, so... You know, something in that Mexican water. Guess so. Yes so. And moving right along to the box office. Um, I think it'll come as no surprise of what was at the top spot.
1: Yep. So Black Panther for the third week in a row was number one. It did sixty six million dollars. And it's at this last weekend it surpassed five hundred million dollars. For just three weeks, was that's just amazing, amazing, amazing. I mean, it's it, also it's still in four thousand theaters. That's the other thing.
0: I mean, it must be closing in on a um, billion dollars. Has it already passed it?
1: Yeah. I don't. I don't. I haven't. Don't remember seeing anything. The last thing I saw it do was eight hundred and fifty million uh, worldwide.
0: I'm pretty but sure it's over 900 already. Yeah, it's uh, it, and probably it, it by probably the time works. everybody's listening to this podcast, it'll it'll surpass 1 billion.
1: Yep, so. I bet it does. Yeah. All right. So with Black Panther number one, uh, two new films came in number two and three. Red Sparrow did 16.8 16, 16. million, uh, which is about what I expected it for. Due and then Death Wish did a little less at 13 million. Although it was in about 200 less theaters than Red Sparrow. Game Night came in number four at 10 million, and Peter Rabbit came in number five at 10 million. And then, of course, The Greatest Showman is still hanging around in the top 10 at number nine with a $2.7 million weekend. And it's been on uh, the top 10 list for 11 weeks. So I mean, that's, that's just an amazing, just amazing thing. is just uh, an amazing number. So we've got uh, some new films coming out um, this next week. So uh, the big one, of course, is A Twist in Time, which is the uh, Disney movie. A Wrinkle in Time. With Oprah Winfrey and Chris Pine. I'm sorry, Wrinkle in Time. Sorry, I wasn't reading. I was just talking off the top of my head. A Wrinkle Mm -hmm. in Time, uh, which is the big Disney movie. And then we also have uh, Strangers Pray at Night, which is a horror film. And then uh, two smaller films, *The Hurricane Heist, which they did not screen for us, so take that. Um, and then Gringo, which they did screen for us. So, But only um, one of us saw. I think Black Panther is still going to be number one. What do you think? No. Matt? Really?
0: Do you really think
1: Black Panther will be number one? Yep. I think Black Panther is still going to do in the in the thirty five to thirty nine million dollar range.
0: I think it's going to be A Wrinkle in Time. Honestly, um, I know it's not getting great reviews, but um, I think I think it'll have enough at least for this first week to to edge out Black Panther in its fourth week.
1: Well, we shall see. I, I don't think Wrinkle in Time is going to do do as as well. I think Wrinkle in Time is going to do around thirty million. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and um, Black some of the newer films, yeah, I, th- I think Black Panther is going to do between 35 and 40 million.
0: Well, we shall see. It'll be an interesting week then.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, all these other, all the other new movies are, are going to be very small. Um, like Hurricane Heist is probably in the 5 million range. Um, the horror movie, the Strangers Pray at Night, which is actually a sequel to The Strangers, uh, we'll do somewhere around eight million, um, and then Gringo is going to do probably about three or four million.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm not expecting much out of any of the the other smaller movies, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what A Wrinkle in Time does. Um, speaking of A Wrinkle in Time, before we jump into um, our our reviews of it, because both of us saw the movie earlier this last week, was it? Um, we it was, actually, last week. Yeah. It was last week. we actually got to do interviews with uh, Storm Reed that uh, you can check out on our respective sites. So mine's on ShakeFar, and Mike's is on Last One del- or yours is on the CW nope. website.
1: Yeah, mine's on yep. atlcw.tv.
0: And um, yeah, yeah, Storm Reed. She's an Atlanta native. Um, the film wasn't filmed here at all, but uh, she's from Atlanta. So she came back to visit her old elementary school and she, you know, she gave a presentation. It was on National Reading Day. So she talked about the importance of reading and, you know, took selfies with the kids and basically talked about the film to them. And both of us got to interview here in her old school in, in the library.
1: Yeah, one of the things that was interesting is that um, she actually read the book um, and did a book report on it in school two years before um, she got the role in the film. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, no. And she's she's the nicest person. Um, Like, she was talking about how, oh, Miss Ava and um, Miss Reese and just... It was, it was so adorable. <laughs> it was so cool. Yep. And so, yeah, she's really good. And she's really good in the film, as we'll talk about right now. Let's, <laughs> let's jump into the review. I'll set up A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, it's adapted from the novel, and basically it follows Meg Murray, who is played by Storm Reed, and she is a middle school student who's been struggling for the past four years because her father who's played by Chris Pine, he's a a scientist who was studying, um, you know, various theories about the universe and everything, and he goes missing, so he's been missing for the four years, he just randomly disappears one day, and so, you know, Meg and her family have been struggling with her father's disappearance, and then all of a sudden, her younger brother one day, Charles Wallace, he, you know, comes comes to Meg and says, oh, we have to go and save Dad, because um, these three celestial guides, as they call them, um, Miss Witch, who is played by Oprah Winfrey, Miss What's It, who's played by Reese Witherspoon, and Miss Who, who's played by Mindy Kaling, basically they come to Earth and say, oh, your father is in trouble, and only you guys can save him. And so basically the entire film is this weird, trippy let's go across the universe and save our father kind of adventure. So, um, you know, uh, boredom factor, what, how bored were you during this film, Mike?
1: There were times that I was very bored. Um, this film is visually, um, a lot of fun to watch, but the storyline, it's just like they neglected the storyline. The storyline, um, sometimes doesn't make sense and there's a lot of 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 changes in costumes and a lot of changes in different lands which is all visually appealing but um it doesn't really help the film that much and they it's the the dialogue in this film was was really really bad
0: i'll agree with you you know i was a lot more bored than i expected to be um I did enjoy the visuals. I thought the the visuals were gorgeous, but like like you said, you know, the dialogue and the story were just I wouldn't necessarily say they were bad. They were just lacking. Um they just didn't, you know, like I they didn't match up with the visuals I was seeing. Like it didn't feel as grand as I wanted. It was just like, "Eh, okay." So,
1: yeah. The other thing, the other thing I didn't like about it is the uh, the score. I thought there was a time, there was a couple of times where the score was so loud I couldn't hear the dialogue. I don't even remember the score. Like, <laughs> it
0: was just <laughs> un, it was just it wasn't memorable. So, so yeah. I mean, and just the, like the characters themselves were just it was very weird. It's one of those films where it's like you don't know exactly why, but it just it doesn't it doesn't grab you. So, so yep. there was a lot of boredom. So uh, eye rolling. There's a lot of eye rolling as well, <laughs> <laughs> um, for me at least. Um, I found myself rolling my eyes most at uh, Mindy Kaling's character. You know, I love her as an actor, but her character is just she's the most annoying character in the film because she she speaks in quotes. So like she quotes these famous philosophers like Gandhi or just random celebrities or movies or whatever. She just quotes famous lines. You know, that's what she's talking about. She doesn't talk in any other way. And then, like, she'll say whoever the quote is from, and I guess their role or something. Like, She says it's, it's this weird... Her dialogue is so weird and choppy and just awkward, and it just it feels so out of place. And like the first time you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting, I guess. But then every time she speaks, it's just like, oh, my God, please stop. Please stop speaking in quotes. And so, yeah. Yeah, and, and also
1: I had an eye-rolling moment with the Reese Witherspoon's uh, uh, Mrs. Watson, who turns into this giant leaf-flying animal, um, we don't. It's hard to describe, but it, just think a giant leaf with a face, yeah, um, uh, and a neck. And the kids jump on. Uh, they're gonna. They're, it, the the storyline doesn't make sense because they jump on because they've got a long way to go. But like many Kaling's characters, on the ground and just running along. Yeah, so running I, along
0: with the the flower beasts. And then yeah,
1: and, and it, then no, the weird.
0: Then the weirdest things hap- Things happen because. At that point, like, they fly by Oprah, who is this 50-foot-tall mystical being. At that point, she's, like, I don't know why she's 50-foot-tall or needs to be 50-foot-tall. Maybe just because she's Oprah. And then, like, you see um, the little kid. You see the Charles Wallace. He, like, gently touches her cheek kind of thing as they fly by on the leaf witherspoon. Like, it's... (laughs) It's so weird. It's so odd and you're just like, "Hmm, okay. I guess I'm supposed to accept this. Like it's just it's just a really weird movie." And there are a lot of <laughs> m- little moments like that y- that you're just like, "Okay." <laughs> uh, yep. So, moving on, um there's no Atlanta recognition. No. I mean, unless you count Storm Reid herself. <laughs> but um
1: so who would you give best performance to? um i'd give it to storm i thought she was really good by the way um both uh, matt and i interviewed her Um, she was in town uh, last week um, for uh, an appearance at her old elementary school and uh, she did a a basically a book giveaway to the school and placed the importance on on how important reading is Um, and when i interviewed her it was really cool is that um, she read the book when she was uh, two years ago, uh, before she got cast in the film, she did, she read the book and did a book report, and then two years later, she's playing the part. So I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I thought she did a she did a great job. Um, all the kids really did a great job in this. Um, the kid who plays Charles Wallace, Dendrick McCabe, he I thought he was really fantastic as well. So, I would give it to both Storm Storm Reed and Derek McCabe. Um, they were just great, and they were really what I enjoyed most about the film. Ava um, DuVernay, who's the director of this, she likes to. I noticed she likes to do a lot of these close up shots on um, people's faces and stuff. Like, a lot of her. A lot of the scenes involved these close ups of you know, Storm Reed and Derek McCabe, and everybody else, and that's where I felt that the kids excelled more than the than the adults. Um, but yeah, so moving on, how about Worst? Was there a Worst performance for
1: you? Yeah, Zach Geflinakis, um, I just didn't like his part. Um, he, he was, he, they have a couple of, uh, Michael is also in it, and so they they play kind of like guides uh, to basically tell the, the storm Reeds character Meg um, where to go next where to, where to look for her father and um, he's a, he's a he's a happy medium that's, that's his, his character's name um, and I just I didn't I wasn't digging that his character at all mm. yeah.
0: Um. I, I still liked him more than <laughs> Mindy Caitlin, who I've already <laughs> expressed how much I hated her character. So, yeah, she's unfortunately, she's going to have to go for my worst, worst performance.
1: But, um,
0: yeah, so o- on an overall Atlas scale of 1 to 5, how would you rate
1: A Wrinkle in Time? I'm giving it a 2. Um, I, I do want to say this, though. Even though I'm giving it a 2, which is... R- fairly low rating um it's it's actually a good film for um kids to see because of the character that storm reed plays meg and all that she goes through um and how she ends up at the end of the film and i think it's a very good message and i also love the fact that this film is the diversity in this film is off the charts um so uh it's it the, I can recommend it for kids. Adults, you're going to be bored, and you're going to go. But I think kids will enjoy it, and I think kids will really um, learn something from this film.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm giving it a 2.5. Um, it just it just didn't grab me as much as I wanted to, and it's like you know, like you said, like it has a great message. You know, the themes it follows, uh, particularly the storm. And the kids are are great and stuff. It's just the story that that's around it is just so ah, painful, <laughs> to be honest. It's just like okay, like I I can't help but feel like it could have been done so much better, especially with you know how how big it is. All right, moving on to the next film, um, Mike. You want to set up thoroughbreds?
1: Sure. So, um, thoroughbreds is a movie about um, two um, high school girls. They seem like they're in like the senior year. Um, they both uh, live in suburban Connecticut. Both are rich. Um, they used to be friends when they were younger, and I'm not going to give away anything. It's just that they're they they're reconnecting now. Um, uh, so, one of them um, is it's got a kind of her own peculiar attitude. Um, Amanda basically um, has become a social outcast, and uh, that's why they're no longer friends. Is that there's something that happened um, in their past, and if you do find out what happens uh, in the film and why it happened, um, um, and Amanda is a little bit different in this, that she does not feel emotions. Um, she actually has to practice how to smile and practice how to cry. Um, and they, but they, they kind of rekindle their friendship. Um, Lily, the other, the other um, girl, um, has got a very um, mean stepfather who is very controlling. Um, she lost her father uh, a few years ago, and her mother is remarried to this rich guy um, that just treats her like crap and um, so they decide to uh, do something about it
0: (laughs) yeah and uh, Anton Youngchin is involved in that actually Um, which is kind of strange because this was his last film before he unfortunately passed away in that freak accident a couple years ago so this was the last film he did and it's just now coming out I'm not sure why it was taken it's taken so long for it to come out um (laughs) But um so how how bored were you in this?
1: Um I I actually enjoyed this film a lot. Um I I I took it as a um almost a black comedy. Um if you look at their uh um their poster for their movie, one of the film critics called it Heathers Meets American Psycho. Um it's it's definitely um not for everybody. Um because these care what especially uh the Amanda uh, character is so strange, um, and it's a it's a strange little movie. Um, so uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I didn't have um, there's not a lot of boredom for me. Um, I would probably as far as this as far as boredom, I'd only I'd give it like a one point five.
0: Yeah, no, I'm 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 in agreement with you as well. I wasn't bored at all, really. Um, I really liked Amanda. I mean, she's she's pretty much a psychopath. You know, like, you get that early on. She's very creepy, very standoffish, and just, like... You know, like, I never really took Amanda and Lily as being friends. Like, there was always something separating them. And, like, as the film goes on, I saw Lily becoming more accepting of Amanda, I would say. But, like, she was still kind of... Put off by her, and so like just the dynamic between them two throughout the whole film—that's what really you know kept my attention and just because it really is an odd film. Like you, I haven't really seen many other films like it, so I was really intrigued by it. I agree. Uh, how would you put a eye rolling factor? Would you? I,
1: I didn't have any eye rolling at all. I mean, because but I, it is a very odd film. Yeah. Um. But I I. I enjoyed its oddity um, I thought that was that was the appeal to this film is that it is very odd and um, how they come about deciding to do the the deed that they they eventually do um, it, I found it interesting and I love the dynamic between the two because it kept changing um, and you're right I don't think they were really friends um, I think maybe um the Amanda character maybe thought a little bit more um, uh, that more a little bit more about friendship, but I still I, I agree that they really weren't friends even at the end of the film.
0: I would say the opposite. Like I would say it was Lily because Lily was the one who had feelings and stuff like that. I don't think right. Amanda ever saw Lily as a friend just because she doesn't feel anything and like they they really kept with that. Because at right. first I thought you know oh you know, Lily's gonna change Amanda, Lily's gonna you know, she's gonna grow on Amanda and Amanda's gonna figure out oh, I do have feelings and stuff like that, but that point never really comes and so I found that really interesting um yeah, I wouldn't say there was any eye rolling um, because it is so dark yep um there is no uh, Atlanta recognition um, the film, it was filmed in Boston, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. so, and it mostly takes place inside the, uh, the mansion that Lily lives in, which was another kind of cool thing, In just, you know, it's this big mega mansion that she lives in, and so just the way the camera moves around the various rooms and stuff like that, and just the way it makes this single house look like this huge set. And like keep things interesting for the entire film. I thought that was really well done. So, um, best and worst performance, Mike. Who
1: would you say? Um, boy, I would say probably. I think probably um, Olivia Cook as Amanda. Um, I I really liked her performance. Um, and. You know, I think that's, that that type of character is hard to play, especially when um, you see her practicing how to smile, or you, or she shows Lily how to cry on command. Yeah. Um, I thought so. I thought her, I thought both girls were really good, but I, if I had to pick the two, I'd pick Olivia Cook.
0: I I'm gonna go with Anton Yelchin. I I love the enthusiasm he brings to this role because, like you know, he's he's so out there himself and just so like he's almost like the audience where you're like who the heck are these two girls like why do you not feel anything like why are you so weird like he's almost basically the audience reaction to them and i just i just love the performance he gives in this because you know he does bring a little levity to it as well you know his his scenes are much more comical than like you know the darker darker scenes between Lily and Amanda. So I I really enjoyed his performance. Um, As far as worst performance is, I mean, nothing really stood out as a terrible performance for me. Like, there really aren't a lot of other characters in this. You know, you have have Mark, who is Lily's stepfather. Um, He's really the only other major character in the film. Um, You know, Lily's mom does make some appearances but they're they're pretty contained so there's really not I wouldn't really say there's a bad performance
1: yeah I agree Um I, I, I felt that also um, so
0: so overall on the official atlas scale of 1 to 5 what are you giving it
1: I'm giving it a 4 cuz I really enjoyed it um, this this movie just I just had fun with it and um, enjoyed its quirkiness and enjoyed uh, the weird relationship that the two girls have, um, and I and I also enjoyed uh, the ending, uh, which I won't give away, but um, it's a very interesting ending. Um, this is uh, this is uh, uh, Corey Finley wrote and directed this film, and it's his first time directing, and I think it's a great job because he took what it is because it takes place mostly in the mansion, so we're confined to almost like a stage setting. Um, and he did some really interesting um, uh, camera shots. Um, there's a there's a great shot of um, when um, Lily is kind of fighting against her parents. Um, she's sitting in the living room watching a uh, a uh, war film with the volume all the way up, and her parents are sitting in another room, and they kind of come into the light. Look, both looking at. Um, um, Lily, and then they go back out of the light in, in this room, and I just thought it was a really cool shot, and, and it, it, uh, this, this director does that a lot in this film, so it doesn't feel like you're stuck in this house, um, and it's also a big house, so there's there's constantly people walking through the house, um, the camera following them or in front of them, um, and, and seeing all these nooks and crannies of this house, and also, um, I love the set decoration also because the, all the rooms were very different. Um, so I enjoyed this film a lot
0: yeah I agree um, I'm giving it a little bit higher I'm giving it a 4.5 um, this was one of my most I would say most favorite films of the year that I've seen so far granted we're only in March so we haven't seen a lot of movies and we all know how January went but um, but no yeah I really loved this film just because of how interesting a subject matter it was and just how different it felt compared to all other films that I've seen so far this year um, I really enjoyed all the performances you know Anton Yelchin is my favorite but uh, Olivia Cook and Anya Taylor-Joy they both are are phenomenal in this and so it was just yeah I just I love this movie so yeah so that about does it on this week's episode or er, Next next week, we'll have a lot of good stuff for you. Um, both Mike and I are going to be going to a Ready Player One experience. Actually, I'm not going. You're
1: not going? Uh, oh. No. Some other stuff came out, so
0: Well. it'll have to be you. It will be me, alone. <laughs> but um, basically, yeah, at Atlantic Station, um, this actually... We're going, I'm going today when I, we're recording this podcast, but um, it's still going to be going on, on Friday when the podcast is released. So if you want to go to Atlantic Station um, and experience this for yourself, you can. It's, it's free and open to the public, and basically it's going to be uh, a trip into the Oasis, which is basically this whole virtual rea- augmented reality room that, um, that the film is based around. And basically, I'm not sure exactly sure all that it entails, but um, you'll basically get to experience the Oasis, I'm assuming, through a VR headset, kind of like the uh, the Blade Runner experience that uh, Emin and I did back at Comic-Con. I imagine it's going to be very similar to that. Um, so we'll get to experience the Oasis. They have some kind of holographic museum thing, and I think it'll be really cool. So... I will fill you in on the details of that next week. And then we will also have reviews of Tomb Raider and Love Simon, which we attended a a pretty crazy screening of this week. Yeah, (laughs) we'll have to tell you about that next week. So we'll have a lot. And hopefully we'll. I don't know. I don't think we'll have Emma again next week because she's going to be gone again. So it'll just be Mike and I. You're stuck with us for another week. So. And that's about it for this week. So we will see you next week. Um, Once again, thank you for listening. And be sure to like us, rate us, give us that five-star rating on iTunes, SoundCloud. Wherever you listen to us, be sure to rate us and leave us a comment. So... Thank you for listening to the Atlas Podcast. Once again, I am Matt Rodriguez, the owner and chief editor of ShakeFire.com.
1: And I'm Mike McKinney of of LastOneTheLeapTheatre.com and ATLCW.tv.
0: And Emma is with us in spirit. Yes, Al. And we will see you next week. Bye.